Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 17. Now on the first day of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? And Jesus said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them. And they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, and Jesus reclined at table with the twelve, and as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him, one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man not to have been born. And Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread And after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine, Until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Father, we've come to the wonderful display that is before us on a table. It's an event of remembrance, it's an event of conviction. It's an event of compassion. It's an event of victory. And as we prepare our hearts to partake of this, these elements, I pray your word will speak clearly to our hearts. We see in the reading we've just had that This is something that was instituted by our Savior for a purpose. Clearly, the disciples were left in disarray. But yet at the same time, it has become a mainstay in the life of the church. So I ask you, O God, That our hearts would be receptive to your words. Our ears would be clear for you to speak. Then our lives would be transformed. Even more into the image of Christ. As we gather around the table known as the Lord's Supper. 
In either case, O oh Lord, that which we do not know, I pray that you would help us to learn. Those things that we do not yet know what to say clearly will be empowered by your Spirit. And most importantly, O oh Lord God, would you be glorified this day. And we'll be careful to praise you and thank you in the matchless name of Christ our Savior. Amen. I don't know if you might remember this or not, but a few years ago, I don't know exactly how many years ago it was, I, I spoke of an issue that was, to me, was very important. And I, and I trust and very important to you. And it was this. It was the issue concerning the Lord's Supper. I, I made a sort of contract with myself that I would never allow this supper to be something added on to the end of the service, just as something to do. I, I never wanted to do that. I, I've been in too many meetings like this that that has happened, and everyone sort of says, oh, okay, it's the first Sunday of the month or whatever that we're doing it. And in that, though, what can happen, and I'm afraid has happened, as we've lost the wonder of what this is all about. So, so this morning, I, I, I don't want to do that. We've left Habakkuk. And maybe for some of you, that would be a blessing. And, and, but we have gathered to a, power, a passage that, quite frankly, we don't fully understand the impact of it. We have to go to another passage. And, and as I'm doing this, I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And as you're turning, if you wouldn't mind asking the Lord to give me strength in my voice, I don't know what happened. I don't know. It's... I'm about to make a statement that I'm going to repeat it because if we quickly go over it, you're going to miss the magnitude of it. And this is the statement. If we fully, if we don't fully understand the magnitude of our sin then we will never understand the wonder of the sacrifice. Just to repeat that so you've got it, if we don't fully understand the magnitude of our sin, then we will miss the wonder of the sacrifice. And I think that's what Jesus was doing in Matthew. Because if you remember, you're in 1 Corinthians, I know. But if you remember Matthew 26, Jesus asked a question. Or he made a statement. One of you is going to betray me. That's an interesting introduction, isn't it? Into the magnitude of sin. And that one statement. 
One of you is going to betray me. And they all began to ask the same question, all but one. Eleven said, is it I, Lord? One said, is it I, teacher, rabbi? Did you catch that? Did you catch that in the text? He didn't understand the magnitude of his sin because he didn't call Jesus Lord. He just called him teacher. And because of that, he lost the wonder of the sacrifice. Now, before we get into 1 Corinthians 11, the time that is allotted to us, there are three things I need to bring to light concerning this, sac- this celebration. The first thing is this. The frequency of the taking of this sacrament you will find in no place in Scripture. You can have it the first Sunday of every month. You can have it the third Sunday of every month. You can have it only on the even months or the odd months. Pick a Sunday. It makes no difference. All that Jesus says, as we'll see, for as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. In other words, you choose. If we want to highlight this, as it does highlight with the Passover meal, then we would only do it once a year. The 14th day of Nisan, which is the first day or the 14th day of the first month of the Jewish calendar. So Jesus is saying, it's not about the frequency, it's not about the day, it's about the issue of remembering. The second thing, this communion service will do nothing for your destination of eternity. When Jesus hung on the cross and that thief, already he found out the magnitude of his sin. He said to Jesus, remember me. And Jesus said, now wait a minute, bring in the communion service. No, there was no communion there. There was no Lord's Supper. He wasn't even in the upper room. But yet Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. What do we mean by that? Well, here. You can miss out on a lifetime of taking or partaking of the communion service, the Lord's Supper, and still go to heaven. Or you cannot miss every communion service and you can still go to hell. Yes, I, 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 he said a dirty word. He said a dirty word. I, no, it's a reality. 
Just because you stand in your garage, that doesn't make you a BMW. Just like just because you partake of these elements, that doesn't make you a believer. And lastly, it's this. At Grace Community Church and other churches that I've had the privilege of serving in, these elements, the bread and the fruit of the vine, the grape juice, represents the blood and the body of Christ. They don't become the body and blood of Christ in any magical or any spiritual way. Jesus said, for an often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Do this in remembrance of me. I wanted to make sure we clarify that. There is no mystical guidance. There's no mystical, if you will, even ingredient in these elements. They're here for a purpose. And the purpose is to remember. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I I trust you're already there. The Apostle Paul begins this as he says, That which I received from the Lord. Verse 23. So at least we know that this particular celebration of the Lord's Supper, which began in the upper room, was carried on as a tradition even into the early years of the development of the church. And in fact, the Apostle Paul says, I got this from Jesus himself. And now he says, let me tell you what it's about. Let me give you the meaning of the meal if you're looking for an understanding. There are three. There are three of them. The first meaning of the meal is this, is that the Lord's Supper reminds us of a place of pain. It reminds us of a place of pain. And notice what it says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. He broke it. Symbolism that was brand new to what we read even in Matthew chapter 26. He broke it. Now it's not long when you begin to imagine what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 26 and what Paul is bringing back to us to remember is that Jesus suffered greatly. A pain beyond what we could even begin to imagine. Isaiah chapter 53 reminds us that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. 
our chastisement, our punishment of sin fell upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. With his stripes, we are healed. He was spat upon and mocked. He was whipped with a staff and crowned with thorns driven in his head. He was whipped beyond recognition by a a whip that had pieces of bone or even metal in the ends of the stripes. And with each whip upon his back, flesh was pulled off. His beard was taken hold of and ripped out of his face. And then he was nailed. In his hands and in his feet. With a spike. And then he was raised and he hung between heaven and earth. And he even cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is a reminder of pain that Jesus went through for us. And when he broke that bread, even when the Apostle Paul mentions it, when he took that bread and he blessed it and he broke it, he broke it for me. He broke it for you. It's a place of pain and suffering that lasted a lot longer than any of us here could endure. And yet he did it for one purpose and one purpose only, that he loved us. The second thing that this this Lord's Supper does is it reminds us of a place of payment. A place of payment. You'll notice in verse 25 of 1 Corinthians. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Well, where did that all come from? All of you that have had enough studies in the Old Testament, specifically in the book of Exodus, the book of Leviticus, would be reminded of the Day of Atonement. But even before that one day year where the very high priest walked into the Holy of Holies, there were hundreds of sheep, goats, bulls, even birds that were sacrificed and their blood was spilt. But we're told in the book of Hebrews, specifically, if you will, in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 4, that it said the blood of bulls and goats and sheep and birds cannot, cannot wash away sin. They only covered it. So that the one year in the Day of Atonement, Passover feast, Day of Atonement, the high priest and all of his galia, plus bells on the bottom of his robe 
and a rope tied around his waist went from the holy place to the holy of holy place. And he was separated from everything else by this tremendous, if you will, curtain. And he walked in there by himself, carrying the blood of a spotless lamb. And it was to be poured on the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant with the two angels where their wings touched each other. Underneath was the mercy seat. And as he poured that blood, all the time he was pouring, he is saying to himself, Dear Lord God, accept this offering. But if God did not accept it, the bells stopped ringing. And the men started pulling. Because no one could go in there to rescue him. But aren't you glad the Savior, Jesus Christ, entered? He didn't have bells on. He didn't have a rope on. He didn't even carry other blood in. He went in with his own. And in that payment, we have this wonderful relationship that in Christ and Christ alone, we can be at peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We can have our sins forgiven, transferred from a kingdom of darkness, placed into the kingdom of his dear son by the blood of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. The Lord's Supper reminds us of a place of pain. Reminds us of a place of payment. And lastly, it reminds us of a place of promise. A place of promise. For and often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he, what everybody, comes. Till he comes. Till he comes. Maybe even today he will come. I really doesn't bother me if we don't even crack open those elements and Jesus would come. But this is a reminder of his promise. Isn't it interesting that in John 14, Jesus made the same promise. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, if that doesn't thrill your heart, how about this? There'll be a day when the voice of God as a sounding trumpet will say, come up here. And we're going home. All those, not who have taken communion, no, but those who have placed their faith and trust in the one who has provided the elements for this celebration. 
And so not only is it a promise, a place of promise of what the Lord is coming again, but in reality, there's also a promise that if you don't know him, you can. What does it say in the closing verses here in 1 Corinthians 11? For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment to himself. And this is why many of you are weak and ill and come and have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged of the Lord, we're disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Did you catch it? There's a way that an individual in this life can escape God's judgment upon this world. And it's through Christ and Christ alone. But there's something you've got to do. You've got to recognize the magnitude of your sin. To be able to understand the wonder of the cross. And just like that thief as he hung there beside Jesus, all he said was, remember me. Believe. 1 John 5, 12 hammers it so wonderfully. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And you're all wondering, well, how do you have life? Verse 13 answers the question. These things I've written unto you that you believe in the name of the Son of God. That you may know you may have eternal life. Do you know if you have eternal life? If there's a question in your mind, I'm asking you to do one thing. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, if there's a question in your mind, every head bowed, every, every eye closed, no one looking around. Here's the question. Have you trusted Christ? Has there been a time in your life when you know that you have come to the foot of the cross and just simply said to Jesus, forgive me? Do you know him? Oh, I want to see a testimony today. Do you know him? If you know Jesus Christ, raise your hand and praise to him for what he's done for you. Don't be afraid to shout amen. It's all because of Christ. But I wonder, is there someone here this morning who has never trusted Christ? Who has never even thought that they were that bad? Let me give you a little clue. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody. And if you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ. I want to pray for you. I would love to show you from the scriptures how you can know you have eternal life. But I don't know if there's anyone here because no one's raised their hand and said, Pastor, please pray for me. I want to know Jesus. I want to come to the wonder 
of the cross. If you would like to trust Christ this morning, just raise your hand so I can see it. And I'll pray for you. you Do you know him? If you don't, don't leave today without knowing him. Is there anybody here? Father, this is a humbling experience to be here this morning. I don't know why my voice weakened. I have no idea. It's better for me to be weak because then you'll be strong. And I ask that you would be strong this morning. Strong in the hearts of those who have trusted you. That we have a story to tell, that we can tell individuals about Christ. And strong, O Lord God, and maybe someone who doesn't know you. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing fact. It's an amazing truth. That in Christ, we're promised eternal life. And all we have to do is believe. So God, you move in our hearts today. As we come to this Lord's Supper, may, O Lord God, may your name be glorified and our hearts enriched as we come around this table and fellowship with one another and fellowship with you. And we'll praise you in the matchless name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Could I call, please, the men that would come and serve the elements this morning?